0: typically 35 to 55 years old, so business owner 35 to 55, I think they would see it as less time, which it probably is less time to bash out an email and send it off because then it's on someone else's to-do list. Email is the world's to-do list for you. And so I think it's easier for them to bash out an email and send it off because it's like the loop is closed. It's off their list. Whereas sitting there on live chat with our team might seem like longer. Whereas for me being Gen Y, I see well, live chat is instant and I can get it done instant. And so my priority is to get things done instantly. A wise man once said. A
1: wise man once said,
0: "The best way to predict the future is to create it. You're about to experience a next level show.
1: Scientists, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, you're listening to the future of humanity podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Future of Humanity podcast. I'm your host, Carl Taylor. And uh, in today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, Rather than me interviewing an expert or a scientist, I've decided to bring on a friend of mine who is actually an expert in his own right, and we will talk about that. But I've decided to bring him on to just kind of have a discussion. Rather than me interview him, we're having a genuine discussion that we have had uh, this type of talks and conversations before. So uh, who are we talking to? I'm talking to a great friend of mine. His name is Peter Moriarty. Peter is an expert in small business cloud computing. Uh, He's been ranked as one of Australia's top 10 entrepreneurs under 30 by Smart Company and the Australian Ant Hill Publications. Uh, He started his first IT consulting business at the age of 15, uh, just like I did back when I was 15 as well. We've had a very similar journey in our business careers. And uh, he's a techie. He loves talking about ideas just like I do. In this episode, we talk a broad range of stuff. We talk about the future of email when it pertains to individuals, but also to business. So if you're a business owner, you'll find this fascinating. Uh, we go all the way to identity and, and space and who will own planets. And we talk a lot of different stuff. You're going to love this episode. Can't wait to dig in. Let's get started. We were having a conversation recently, right? We went for a walk and we're having this conversation and it kind of led to... I asked the topic, what would be of interest if you were to come on the podcast? And we kind of ended up having a conversation and at the end of it, we're like, we should have recorded that. That was the podcast episode right there. So that's the reason that I've brought Peter on to have that discussion again. And we'll see where it goes, but we might not have the exact same discussion. I thought it would be valuable to bring on a friend who... I have these kinds of conversations with and he's a technical guy. Well, we've had a similar business journey, haven't we, Peter?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh so many interesting parallels starting businesses, tech support businesses around 15 and then kind of growing it and uh, I mean you exited in your early 20s. I uh, was a slow learner and I just kept going. <laughs> Very quite interesting uh parallels there. I remember how our conversation got started and we were t- you said, "Hey, I'm launching this podcast on The future. And I said, well, you know, I spend quite a lot of time thinking about the future, but, you know, primarily for business strategy. And. I'm not worried, but a little bit curious about the future in terms of the area that I'm in, uh, because we provide business productivity tools and what that looks like in a practical sense is email, file storage, you know, hangouts, video calling communications in the Google ecosystem. And we help implement that for small businesses. Uh, but what's interesting to me is how communication is changing and how in five or 10 years time, I always have to ask myself the question, are we still going to be emailing? And I think that's how our discussion got started. And I think that's a great one to talk about because email itself, I'm sure it's absolutely critical right now. But if we look 10 years into the future, you know, 10 years, not just five years, but 10 years into the future, and, you know, we start to see email like, potentially like faxes or like sending letters. And that is a, it's a very curious topic for me.
1: Yeah. And, and my first thought when you said that was, for years, as an online marketer, primarily has, for my clients and for myself, made a lot of money using email. You know, People have been predicting the death of email for a long time. And every time someone's predicted the death of email, it's never happened. Emails come back stronger. But I do agree with you. I think right now we are seeing a huge trend, especially towards Messenger app. I, I hate email. I absolutely hate email. I recently am really thankful that I checked my email regularly, but generally I try to check my email like once or twice a week. And you know, if you're not a business person, you might be listening to that going, "Oh, well, that's normal." But no, if you're a business person, you're in you're living in your inbox.
0: Yeah, it's like dopamine addiction. You get the little pellets, <laughs> the yeah. little reward for <laughs> for checking your email.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, but you know, it's so bad for productivity because your inbox is everyone else's to do list for you, right? It, it's never your priorities and uh or sometimes it is if you've reached out to someone. But generally, it's someone else asking you to do something and adding more to your to-do list, which is why I try to avoid my email inbox as much as possible and leave people waiting. And it, they don't need to talk to me. They can talk to my team. My team can handle email. But I'm thankful I did check it because I recently had an attempt on my situation. And uh, had I not checked my email and seen some alert, it could have been a very messy situation. And that kind of brings me to my point is my thoughts around email is, our email is so tied to our identity. I mean, even to sign up to Facebook, to Twitter, to whatever, you need an email address. They're kind of connected. And what are your thoughts on that? Like you see that going away. Do you
0: th- what's going to be the new identity if not an email address? I love this idea because I think eventually we'll probably get to the spot where we're, we've got chips in our arms and that will be our identity, right? But we're not there yet. We're close. There was that guy in Sydney who took the transit card, which is called the Opal card in Sydney, and actually had it inserted under his skin. You know, he was just beeping on and off the trains and buses, the, the RFID chip under his skin. They eventually cancelled his card. Because, you know, Australia says it's all about innovation. That was just a little bit too much innovation for the politicians. To get there, I'm not sure what, it's, uh, what we're going to need to get there. What I know that we are seeing is that communication is certainly changing. Identity is really uh, something that I love because when I go and sign into a website, if I have the opportunity to use my Google account to do that and other websites in the consumer space, you will be able to use your Facebook account to sign into account. It's like a secure bridge. You only really have to secure one account then. Either secure your Google business account or your Gmail account or secure your Facebook account. And theoretically, you're safe across all of those websites because you know you're not having to use username and password. One account's hacked, all of your accounts are hacked. That's the downside. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know we can we can trust companies uh, like Apple, like Google, like Amazon, to like Facebook to do a pretty good job of protecting our data and protecting those accounts from getting hacked. As a service, we obviously have to have a pretty high level of responsibility with how we lock down those accounts. And that's obviously something that you've explored recently, very personally. But what I like about that is is that becomes your identity. Now, ironically, it's still tied to an email address. Your Facebook account is still tied to an email address. Your Google account is still literally an email address. I think Facebook is probably further along the line of not having email. Interestingly, I listened to the, um, the, the Congress hearing on Facebook and privacy and, and advertising data yesterday. And there were a couple of Facebook products that I wasn't aware of that were mentioned. One of those is a, like a Facebook kids product. And that Facebook kids product is a, like a messenger product for kids that are, I think under 14 years old, but it's completely controlled by the parents' accounts. And what I found interesting about that was I assume I might not be 100% correct, but I assume that the parents just punch in their kids' names. And it's not necessarily tied to an email address because I don't think a 12-year-old would have an email address. And that got me thinking, oh, wow, well, they're now on Facebook. They have a Facebook identity. They have history and data and everything else. And they may not necessarily actually have an email address tied to that. And so, we may already be seeing, Carl, one of the first services that is giving us an identity, which is not actually linked to an email address. And I, and I therefore assume that, once those kids are 14, 15, or however old they need to be to access the main Facebook, someone can click a button and graduate them to a full Facebook account. And wow, what if that just stays their identity?
1: Interesting enough, in that conversation, though, he said the current way it works, it could always change. Zuckerberg said that when they turn 13 and they graduate to an actual Facebook account, all of that data from when they were a kid gets deleted. Or if it doesn't happen that way, that's what he believes should happen. He believes that all of that, messages because it is Facebook Messenger. And I don't know whether it's like, as you get older, you always think the, the younger generation are doing things that you never did. But like to me, it seems like kids are being sexualized way too early. And so with the Facebook Messenger, like who knows what's in those message history. And so I think it is a good idea. I'm with Zuckerberg, but I think when they turn 13, that, that message history should probably all be cleared. And they start fresh with a brand new Facebook
0: account. And that's essentially what he said either does happen or he wants to see happen moving forward. So, so the ironic thing is that I'm using voice to type an email, which is like a super formal mode of communication. You know, it's got, Dear Carl, <laughs> how are you today? Uh, here's the body of my email, blah, blah, blah. Kind regards, Peter. And what I'm interested in is, okay, well, how is how is the format of communication going to change? We deploy and use productivity tools for businesses. And in the Google suite of applications, that that includes Hangouts Chat, which is a little bit like Slack or very like Slack, which has, um, you know, text-based, Uh, chat rooms, instant messages, works on your mobile, works on your desktop. And it's the way of keeping in close communication with your team using text. Obviously, I'm using voice activation into my phone to type into that. I'm not actually typing out messages. And then Google Hangouts Meet, which is their video conferencing product. And I have found... like We've never used internal email in our company, maybe in the early, 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 early days. But it's really weird when I receive an email from one of my team members. I will get them for leave requests because we haven't put that into a form yet. Like we just kind of don't use internal email and that kind of gets me thinking, well, what if, We stopped using email with our customers. Um, and so some of the initiatives that we've had there, uh, I mean, we we run a tech support business. We get nearly 500 requests per week for support, consulting, project delivery. You know, we have a a cloud concierge service where we work with digital apps for customers. And so they're always asking us questions and they're always needing help from us. Yes, some, some will pick up the phone and call our help desk, uh, you know, which we absolutely love. That's part of the service, but sending out emails to me always seems kind of slow. So we've put in initiatives like live chat on our website. And I've been surprised that more customers don't use it. You know, when given the option, yeah, when given the option of live chat, you know, many customers will still actually type out an email. And I'm not sure if that's because. What's the age demographic of your typical clientele? That's a great question. So typically 35 to 55 years old. So business owner, 35 to 55. I think they would see it as less time, which it probably is less time to bash out an email and send it off because then it's on someone else's to-do list. Like you said, email is the world's to-do list for you. And so I think it's easier for them to bash out an email and send it off because it's like it's the loop is closed. It's off their list. Whereas sitting there on live chat with our team might seem like longer. Whereas for me being Gen Y, I see well, live chat is instant and I can get it done instant. And so my priority is to get things done instantly.
1: And it's interesting because I don't remember where I read it or heard it. I hate picking up the phone. And that, that's partly probably because I'm an introverted personality, but also... I don't know what's going to happen on the other end. And it's, you know, you sit on the whole, you got to sit on hold sometimes. And even on live chat, you do have to wait. But the different to me, it feels far easier. Like numerous times when I've been at the airport, Telstra has now changed the process. But pretty well, when you were going to go overseas, when you wanted to enable a travel pass so that you could keep your phone working overseas, you'd have to either call up or they had live chat. And I would always prefer to use live chat because I could sit in the lounge at the airport open up the live chat. I remember once I was even sitting on the plane, still waiting on live chat for them to to turn it on just before I had to turn my phone off uh, and put it on airplane mode. Live chat was just so much better. And I read or, or heard somewhere that more and more customers are wanting live chat. So it's interesting that you're not experiencing that same trend that this article seemed to indicate that bigger companies are finding. But I agree, our generation, Gen Y and then and below. And it is interesting. There is this definite trend back towards chat. I mean, things like Slack, you know that I use Slack. It revolutionized my business, right? And then Slack having bots as well. But none of that's new. I remember... Maybe I was like 10... 11. Well, I don't know how old I was, but I remember using IRC. I don't know if you did you ever use MIRC?
0: I I don't know if I was on IRC because you're like two years older than me. I think um, I was like I was using Messenger, probably. I was on Yahoo chat rooms, um, probably some Jabber services as well, which is very close, but not specifically (laughs) IRC. But well, well, Slack is IRC. It's
1: built on the same framework of IRC. They just (laughs) built a new interface. That's all they did. And it's become new again. So the technology behind Slack. And chat tools like that is absolutely not new. It's been around since almost the beginning of the internet, very early days. It's revolutionized my business. Like you, not a single person will send emails internally. Like we definitely don't have that leave thing because we have a Slack bot that handles leave. So the team can just message the bot and that puts it all in the calendar and asks approval from their managers. You know, that's the trend we're seeing. Like Facebook Messenger is my, for my friends, at least my preferred or text is my preferred method of contact. If someone calls me and it goes to my voicemail, my voicemail says, do not leave me a voice message. It says either email me or send me a text. I should probably (laughs) update it. So it just says, send me a text. That's a great way to to weed out spammers though, because spammers, they leave you a voicemail message. You're like, well, clearly they're a spammer because they didn't listen. that it says I don't check my voicemail message.
0: (laughs) I think that's interesting. Um, But I think you've brought up another technology that really needs to die. And that's SMS. SMS is as old as ICQ, (laughs) IRC, and I was using, I've been an Apple fanboy for years and years and years, but working in the Google ecosystem, I was convinced to go over to Android when Google started bringing out their own hardware Uh, with the Pixel phones. You know, I switched from using iMessage, which all of my friends and all of my family were on. You know, we had group chats and everything happening, and we had to find another app. And we settled on Messenger because everyone has it. I tried to convince my uh, family to go to Google service Allo, but no, that wasn't going to happen. So we ended up using Messenger. And actually, we've got a a fantastic uh, family thread. I've got two families, um, but we've got two family threads And we have a whole lot of fun in those in messenger with gifts and, you know, photos being shared and and all kinds of things. My brother had a baby at 5 a.m. this morning and that was shared on messenger, uh, you know, photos to both families, which is wonderful. Now. I got a text message from you about this show and I was like, what the hell is Carl doing? Why is he sending me a text message? You know, Messenger works on your computer. It works across all your devices. It's cross platform. You get red receipts and text is like the equivalent of sending a fax in 2018. So I don't know if you were drunk or something. Maybe it was like late at (laughs) night. I'm just curious that we have these, you know, these services that are lingering on, Uh, you know, I'm curious, like what did it take to get rid of fax? Will we then get rid of SMS? And is email in that same category? Could that happen? Uh, We were talking about ways that customers communicate with us in a business sense. And, And as well as the live chat initiative, we also have an integration from Zendesk, which is our ticketing system, which handles all the live chats all of the email communication, and when we have a phone call, we, we make notes in there as well. Now, we've enabled a bridge from there into the messages feature of our Facebook page. So customers can actually go to IT Genius, they can message IT Genius, and that's going to come into Zendesk. Uh, and we have actually have a live chat using ManyChat. We have a live chat uh, functionality with that as well for, for even more rapid responses. Now, my question is if businesses potentially started using Messenger and Look, it doesn't have to be live chat. They don't have to sit there. But if they're sending messages on Messenger and therefore not needing to email, what's left for email? Is it just for legals like letters were and like faxes were for a long time? Is it just for like formalized stuff? And then is everything else going to be in apps and bots?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the question has got to be, why are people turning to Messenger over email? For me, if I think about why did I prefer or why do I prefer friends messaging me say through facebook messenger it's because my inbox is not as cluttered with noise now that's changing you know it's probably been <laughs> i don't know four or five months since i kind of started telling people and using messenger more and so you asked why did i send you a text i knew for a fact that you would you know seen it delivered it and and it was like but you
0: wouldn't have got a, you wouldn't have got a red receipt for a text though.
1: I knew that it wouldn't be in my mess. I wouldn't have to log into Facebook to see it, to be honest. Like, and I'm sure Facebook, it's just some software updates. They could fix this, but Facebook Messenger is not, it's fine when you got two or three kind of conversations going on. As soon as you have more than that, it becomes a nightmare to manage. I'm aware that there are unread messages in there, probably weeks ago, you know, out of sight, out of mind. That's how I work. And I think most people work that way. And, and so it's not at the top of the inbox and you forget about it. And it's not because I don't want to get to them. Also, the challenge is it's on Facebook, distracted.
0: Yeah, it could be mum, which is high importance, uh, it could be a friend from five years ago who says, hey, because they've got a new multi-level marketing thing they've just joined. It could be someone that you uh, met. It could be someone who, you know, I, I was driving my 4 drive up and down some hills and I gave a skydiver, a lift, paraglider. And, you know, he said, oh, hey, can you send me some, some photos that you took? And so you'll add someone random to Messenger. And like they may even sit in your message requests box. And you might not even see it in your inbox and missed connections. And there's, but there's no importance is, is what my point is. There's no priority in there. My
1: Facebook Messenger inbox is mixed with friends, clients, and prospects. And it's fast becoming an inbox, just like my email. That's challenging. Like it's really hard with and, no and, tools to manage it at all. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's, there's no way to forward. If I get a message from my client, for example, there's no forward to forward it to my team to follow up. It's like I'm the now the bottleneck. It's come back again. It's only really tools, but my question is, well, why? have we seen the trend? Is it just because the inbox is cluttered? And so then who's to say that the message environment's not going to become just as cluttered? Why did people switch from fax to email? Because fax was slow, whereas email was fast. Messenger technically is no faster than email. The only difference is because it was less cluttered, our response was probably faster. If, If we chunk up from the technology and whatever side, and we think about it on a society level, Technology has always been sold to us. That it'll make our life better. We'll have so much more free time, add this automation in. The computers will do it all. The truth is we've been more connected, so we've had less time. Our brains haven't been on switch off. Some people ask me, why don't we offer Slack integration? And we are building something, but why don't we let our clients come into a Slack channel and talk to my team? One of the people I know who did do that confirmed my concern. My concern is with that is there's an expectation if they send a message whether it be Facebook Messenger or Slack, there'll be a response and action within minutes, minute, not days. And email, because of the trend, if something takes a few days to be actioned, I mean, it's become more the norm. In the beginning, emails were probably instant, but now it's the norm. And whereas Messenger is that fast, fast, fast. But as that gets busier and noisier, I see the same problem happening. So while I do agree that there's this trend happening, I'm not sure whether it's truly sustainable and better than email. What is Messenger doing that email better than email, except making the messages shorter? Because it is changing the style of communication to be shorter and sharper.
0: One of the things that makes Messenger fun to use is the multimedia. It's kind of like a bridge getting closer to the Voxer vibe. You can do voice messages, you can chuck in photos really easily. The mobile interface is brilliant, whereas email is really just text. Uh, We should make the point that part of the shift from fax to email was because fax was physical, it was using paper, and email was completely digital, but that furthers your point that there's not that much of a jump from email to messenger. If primarily it's still text, because you know, sure, we've got some extra multimedia in there, but it's, it wasn't a monumental shift from using paper to no longer using paper. I want to speak to that point about everything being instant. I think for Gen Y, it's cool for everything to be instant because that's. What we expect, and that's what we've grown up with. And and that's really, you know, in a way, what we want. And so it's really easy for us to be in a Slack or a, or a Hangouts group and be typing away. But how I describe this to my team is that when you send someone an instant message inside a business, it's the equivalent of walking up to them in an office and tapping them on the shoulder. But you shouldn't be doing that for every single request. You can't spend all day long interrupting people from what they're doing. And, you know, our team, we're just completely ADD. Dopamine addicted because, you know, we're all young people in the business. So like we're gone. It's too far for us, but we have to inform our clients and we're a productivity business. So we have to, you know, help try and help our customers be productive. And I don't believe that's the way to go. I 100% agree with you. If everyone was using Messenger or Slack or, or Hangouts for everything, it's too fast and it doesn't allow us to actually get good work done. Um, one of the, uh, the productivity tools that I love is called uh, Pomodoro, which is doing 25 minutes of uh, disciplined work, and then having a five-minute break or a breather, but removing all of your distractions. And I've always had all of my alerts switched off. I never have email alerts dinging. Um, I don't even have um Hangouts chat alerts from my team dinging. My phone sits on do not disturb 24 hours a day. If someone calls me twice within a couple of minutes, it'll ring. But, um, I mean, even my family don't bother you know, calling me anymore. They'll probably send me a message on Messenger because it's, I really much value my time. Gary Vaynerchuk says that time is now the currency. It's the most valuable resource for everyone. Yeah, I think it's always been the most valuable resource <laughs> <Yep. laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. All of us have had a finite amount of time. You, know, you can always make more money, but you can't get more
0: time. You, when your time's up, your time's up. I do think it's important to realize. I mean, email started off you know, being really exciting. In the late 90s, I got my first email address and it was really exciting. Uh, because when someone sent me an email, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I've got this message. And then over time, now we're receiving literally hundreds of emails per day, and it's become a big problem. Eighty percent of those are probably uh, marketing or automated or alerts of some sort, and sure, there are a few that are actually typed out by humans. What I love, you know, in the realm of what Google's doing about this is their Inbox tool. So, uh, if you have a Gmail account or a Google Business account, you can use Inbox. And so, there's a there's a Google Inbox app, and there's a web interface inbox.google.com. It's kind of like a skin for Gmail. It's like a different way of using Gmail. Same set of emails, same set of folders, all your same stuff. But it's got their power of machine learning and AI to help you work through your emails. So for example, I mean, I don't receive heaps of emails because like you, they're primarily delegated to my team. But I now actually love it when I do receive emails because it means it's something that uh, you know, a customer can help, something that I can do. But what I love, which Inbox does, is it's got some smarts like rolling up all of my travel, accommodation, you know, car hire, things like that into bundles. So if I'm traveling to a particular location, it's gonna automatically bundle all of those things in one spot. So I open my inbox and I've got it all there when I'm traveling. But secondly, it takes low priority emails that it's uh, detected using its artificial intelligence and it bundles them together in my inbox. So I might have three or four emails of a morning in my inbox when I jump in and have a look there. Um, But I might have 15 that have made it through my very intelligent filters to try and filter out all the marketing emails that have made it through to my inbox. And some of them I want to have there there may be reports that i get daily that i check in on every couple of days you know or it may be that once a year renewal that you get from a particular software app that you're using that you don't need to look at the invoice to know that it's actually gone through but google gives me one button to clear out those 15 low priority emails and i like that because google's ai is now helping me to be smarter you're absolutely right that messenger hasn't got there yet so in a way you know email is easier for me to triage than 15 messenger messages from different people that I don't know I'm very interested in in you know in where, where will it go and can we actually kill email you know let's say if messenger had a better way of us triaging let's say if everyone was using it because it has to be a platform that everyone's using and I think Facebook really I mean everyone is using Facebook I've got one or two friends that don't use it but I would say it's got about 80 or 90 percent penetration in let's say from 18 year olds to 50 year olds if we've got every single person has a smartphone everyone right we've we've got that there so in terms of tech adoption like we've got everyone on something that could be the next thing you know how do we kill email what are the actual uses left and you know is this just about email or are there uh you know is there a broader discussion around how we will use technology to communicate differently in the future i
1: think one of the things that adds to email's prominent over say a messenger platform Is that email is essentially a protocol, right? And it's agnostic as to what service provider you use. Whereas currently Messenger, you know, you've got iMessage on your phone. You've got Facebook Messenger, you've got WhatsApp, you've
0: got all these different tools. Now Android Two out of three of which are owned by one company, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well exactly, <laughs> right? But then well if we go if we go broader, right, we're talking WeChat. We're talking, you know, if we go around the world, then like all that thing, all these people connected, that's very much in the Western world. But if we go far more globally, we've got a very different story as to who's got smartphones and how connected they are.
0: I wonder what Russia's version of WeChat is. Mm, I don't
1: know. Yeah. So so it's very interesting is chat is a bit more walled garden than email, which is really kind of agnostic and accessible to all. And that's kind of in the original vision for the internet was this kind of platform open to all. It's interesting. Like I see two trends. We, I see a trend of us moving to being more connected and more open source things and more community driven and, and
0: less walled gardens. But at the same time, we see more gardens kind of being created online as well. That is so interesting. So like if IRC was open from the start, and it was literally around from the days of of news groups from the founding of the internet, my my question is, why hasn't that taken off? Why are not we all using an open IRC? Uh, You know, like in 2018, we are really all moving towards... Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, is that just the way the world is going? I mean, I start to think about it. It's part
1: movies. of the, the, the capitalist system of... I remember earlier, a very early lesson I learned in business, I'm sure you learned it too, is it's not the best product that wins, it's the best marketed product. Absolutely. I agree. You could have the better product in business, but if someone can outmarket you and their product is absolutely junk, they'll still win because that's just how things work. I mean, Betamax and VHS, perfect example. Betamax was the better technology, better product. Uh, porn went on on VHS, and so therefore it was better marketed. That could be very much the case here. IRC, no one was smart enough. It was a techies playground. No one was smart enough until, say, Slack to realize, hey, this can be marketed. Here's how it should be marketed.
0: I just think about the movies like, you know, you've got Terminator. I think it was uh e was probably the other one to note where there is usually a monopolistic corporation of some sort, which is involved in humanity effectively becoming enslaved in some way. And, you know, it, and technology is a part of that. So many stories that are, you know, that are all revolving around this idea. And we've got five of those companies <laughs> that we are all admitting to and, and worshipping, like we're, we're there. Uh, you know, and it's funny, like, we can kind of make jokes about it. But then there are very serious, very smart people like Elon Musk who are saying, no, this AI thing is like really dangerous, guys. Like We've got to be careful here. <laughs> we, we should probably set some boundaries and be really careful about how we approach this.
1: Well, did you watch that documentary that was recently released that Do You Trust This Computer? Did you see that? Not yet. You should watch it. It's very much that. It For me, I used to think that I'm a little bit with Elon Musk. Before watching the documentary, I was a little bit with him. But at the same time, I was, a, I was a little bit in Zuckerberg's camp going, oh, you know, you're over. You know, we're not there yet. Like, I agree there's concerns, but we're not there yet. Elon Musk says this says said a great story, which really highlighted to me that he's like, he's right. I was thinking you need a general artificial intelligence. We need to get to that level, which we're far away. We've got plenty of specialist AIs, but to get to a general AI, that's what I thought humanity was at risk. And he made the story. He said, as humanity, when we're laying down a road, if there is an anthill in the way, do we stop and think about the ants or do we just completely demolish that anthill and lay the the road down? That's he said is that's the danger is that you have a specialized AI that is now he didn't say this exactly but this is how I interpreted it. If you have a specialized AI whose job is to lay a road over humanity in some way and it doesn't have any intelligence or any knowledge about why it should go around that anthill of humanity, it should damage humanity while doing it, it's just going to carry out its mission. And its mission is to lay that road. It wasn't evil. It wasn't going, I must destroy humans. It was just humans were in the way of its objective. So it just completed its objective. That's where I was like, that is scary. And we're not far away from that. We have specialized AIs. And he's right. That is something that I think we do need to stop and think. And I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Like These conversations, the whole reason I started this podcast was I think about these things. I have conversations. You and I have conversations. Like in my circle, I have some of these conversations. I wanted to get this out to the broader community. I think more people need to be aware of what's coming, the good and the bad. Like I'm excited about the future, but I'm also scared in other ways. I think if the more we know, at least then we have a decision. Like as you said, there's these five companies that potentially could be that big monopolistic, if not all of them. I mean, there's a a sci-fi TV show. I can't what it's called now that I, I've watched on, on Netflix. It's basically like galactic wars between corporations, right? There's no countries anymore. It's, it's Ferris Corp versus whatever the other corp is, and they've got warfare going on. It's corporations instead of countries. That, to me, is not that unrealistic. If you've read the book Sapiens, where he talks about a company doesn't really exist, just like a country doesn't really exist. Countries at least maybe had a physical border a country like Australia. But if you're in a country in Europe, It's really just a an imaginary line that's been drawn to to decide you're in a country, and then you've got companies, and so then uh, you know are companies any different? Like, uh, so then all of a sudden we might align ourselves with a company, and then moving forward, it could be Facebook versus Google versus Apple versus Amazon, galactic warfare
0: between them. Like, who knows? I think if you were to look a couple of hundred years into the future. I wanted to mention this first. I mean, on on AI and paving the way for the road and and going over the ant hill. A couple of weeks ago, we had a person uh, run over and killed by an automated vehicle. I can't remember if it was an Uber or something else, but it was it was a self driving vehicle. Pretty sure it wasn't Uber. Struck someone and and ran them over and killed them. That's obviously that's terrible and that's that's very sad. Contrasted with, however, Tesla, Uber, and everyone else who's developing self-driving car technology, the number of accidents and the rate of accidents per kilometers driven is a fraction of humans behind the wheel. And so there's like this trade-off question. Well, one person was run over and killed because the sensors didn't pick them up versus how many other people were potentially saved from being injured because overall the crash rate is less. That's one to fry your noodle and ponder over.
1: It also brings up the ethical or moral question. When you have to program in Or you have to let the AI decide where it runs over the, kills the person in the car or it kills the old lady or the kid that it might hit. And it's, it's an either or. There's no choice. Like there's no avoiding it. Someone has to die. And it becomes a, a decision that's not made by a human. That becomes this huge. I mean, there are teams of scientists and philosophers and people trying to stew over that problem right now. Like one of the biggest problems with driverless technology is not the technology. The technology exists. There's two main things that are stopping the adoption. One is other humans on the road. Like If we could take all human drivers off the road and just put driverless cars, we could do it. We'd be fine. Yeah. The second thing, but it's teaching the driverless cars how to handle humans on the road. That's the problem. And then the second thing is that moral question of, well, how do we decide where liability lies, the legalities of when someone dies, like all of that. That's the messy stuff. That those are the two main things. There might be a few more, but they're the two main things that have to be solved before driverless cars can truly take over.
0: There's some great videos on YouTube. I can't remember what the uh, what the name of the the challenge or the um or the conundrum is, but uh we'll perhaps link it in the show notes when the AI has given a choice between, okay, well, you know, you've got an obstacle in the road, either run over a pedestrian or you can run into, you know, a crowd of pedestrians potentially on the sidewalk. What does the car do? You know, does it swerve to try and get off the road or does it knowingly continue on to take out one person instead of taking out a group of people? Anyway, I think it's getting a bit more, but let's talk more about the aspirational <laughs> <laughs> You know, if we were to look a hundred years or a couple of hundred years in the future, right? We will have landed to Mars, uh, and you know, full marks to to Elon Musk will be there—the first planet that we will potentially, uh, you know, inhabit, right, outside of Earth. Now, if we were to look five hundred years in the future, you know, we'd probably be able to reach other planets. Who knows how it's going to happen? But you know, I think in five hundred years, we'd probably be able to get there. Now, the thing I'm curious about, and you really got me interested when you talked about the two corporations that were at war, you know, once we have the technology who says that a corporation can't go to another planet, set up on that planet and run it as their own. I mean, Earth's jurisdiction literally ends, literally ends, and even the the, the United Nations and the global alliances that we have, they literally end once you're outside of the atmosphere, which is why the um, legals of putting up satellites and stuff get a little bit murky. You know what's so interesting is would we have a corporation go to a new planet and say hey we're flying our flag here this is our planet this is Amazon planet yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well because I mean that's that's pretty much what SpaceX have said they're going to do they're going to go to Mars they can kind of write the jurisdiction for Mars it's it's pretty interesting right
1: yeah it really is interesting I mean for years you've been able to buy plots of land on the moon right but as to how legally um that guy got rich <laughs> yeah I, as to whether or not like you actually have any legal title whatsoever over the plots of land on on the moon that you've bought. It does create this interesting situation of well not just corporations but can individuals. You know, if you're a wealthy individual like Warren Buffett, not that I can imagine he would, but someone of that wealth decides to go, Well, I'm buying this whole planet. Instead of private islands, you'll have private planet. And with the corporations, yeah, Owning all of that stuff, but will we see a breakdown of countries and, and a move to corporations? You know, the Apple fanboys versus the Google fanboys.
0: It's kind of become a joke. I mean, I, I think that there's already enough of you know when someone sends uh, me a text message and I'm on Android, they say, "Oh, you're a you're a green person on my phone," right? <laughs> because there isn't the blue iMessage bubble. And the, the big question is, in the intergalactic war, will they still be sending email, or will they be? Hammering each other on messenger. (laughs) Or will they have completely skipped
1: it? I mean, one of the things I thought of earlier when we were talking is if there's not enough difference in technology between messenger chat and email, maybe the thing that will kill email in the future will be a completely different thing. Like the rise of voice. You've got Google home devices. I've got Google home. I shouted at my Google home before we even started this podcast. You thought that was hilarious because I was telling it to turn off the music. Voice is really becoming a, a hot topic today. And we're only starting to scratch the surface. And so, you, yes, at the moment, you like to talk into your device, type it out. And I agree with you. I I get messages from people who send me voice messages. It's great to send a voice message. It's a pain to receive it. It's far slower than it would be for me to just read the message. I can read faster than I can. For people who are on this podcast, they probably prefer listening than reading. I mean, that's part of the reason that people enjoy podcasts. It could all be said in speak and how you receive it really is up to your preference. And if we if we go to the augmented reality, or even uh, Elon Musk wants to talk about the idea of melding our minds with the internet and with the machine, well then, is it just a thought, right? We receive the images and the thoughts and everything into our head, and it can be text or it can be heard if you want to listen to it, or it could end up being chat, but not chat as we know it. It's, it's chat in whatever medium you want with voice So Someone might prefer to type, but you can receive it
0: as, as a voice. Someone might prefer to speak, but you can receive it as a text. The, pri- the priority is always going to be connecting people. And that's not a throwback to Facebook's mission. I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, like uh, I love my Google Home. I use it to control my music. I use it to play Netflix onto my TV. Uh, I use it to play YouTube videos, all kinds of, of really cool, really great things. In the US, you can use a Google Home to make phone calls. So you can talk at your Google Home and, and, you know, that's why they called it the home. It's becoming this really brilliant home device. And I think, you know, in the days of right now, you know, Skype and Zoom and Messenger and, and, you know, what's uh, Apple's one's FaceTime, this technology is primarily going to be used to bring us closer as a humanity. Uh, and I am, I'm also very curious about what's the next step from video for, you know, video and audio, look, you know, looking at cameras, talking to each other. I would say one step we, you know, we have, uh, virtual reality, and we have augmented reality. You know, the first little hint into that is the Animojis that have come out on different smartphone platforms now. So if you don't know what they are, it's like a, a little animated, I think they're stupid, but maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, it's a little emoji and it uses face recognition to uh, look at the, the subtle movements in your face and it mimics those into an animated character version of yourself. I don't know if these are going to kick off or not. Who knows? It's certainly interesting because it's, it's starting to, uh, this is in the realm of augmented reality. It's starting to go beyond just picture and audio, which we've had for a long time and where I think starting to get ready to graduate from.
1: Well, Peter, with the animoji, you know, a perfect marketing idea that you could have is you get your own custom animoji created. That's like the symbol of the IT genius logo. When someone signs up, you can send them a welcome an emoji where it's like, Hello, welcome. Someone's going to do it. You're, if you're listening and you have the ability to make that happen, please do it and please send it to me. I would love to see if someone has used it for a marketing. I agree. I think it's stupid. Uh, the younger generation probably love it. It's fun. It's entertaining. And if you're selling to a younger generation, what we think stupid now in 10 years' time could be very normal
0: and do it. So. I think if you're marketing to somebody who's in that demographic, like someone 25 or under, email marketing is just not going to get through. Uh, you know, for starters, in someone's Gmail inbox, it's automatically filtering marketing and promotional messages to their own tab. And young people either, I mean, they probably have an email address because the identity thing, uh, we've already established that, but they're probably not going to be checking their email, personal email, that is, more than once. A week, maybe twice a week. I mean, I know I, I've got a personal email address and I don't even check it. You know, I, I just don't see a need to go in there and my dad will call me or text me and say, Hey, did you read my email? <laughs> I say, no, I didn't because there's no reason for me to, there's just no reason for me to go in there. The, uh, when I'm booking hotels, I'm using the booking.com app. And When I'm you know, communicating with my friends, I'm using Messenger or I'm using WhatsApp or I'm using something else. The app experience of working on my phone. Is so much better than going into emails for all of my personal stuff. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, we're even paying with our mobile phones now. We don't even have to reach for a credit card. Uh, I've managed to live the last couple of months without even carrying a wallet around. I've got $200 in cash behind the back of my phone. So if you see me in the street, punch me and grab it. You know, apart from that, everything is tap and pay, you know, apart from every now and again, I'll need my uh, formal identification, which has caught me out a few times. The smartphones are really becoming part of us and I don't know how long it's going to be till we all just get chips in our arms because that's going to make paying and everything else a whole bunch simpler.
1: Well, it probably won't be long before things like driver's license can be stored on your phone. I think I remember a while back reading about the Australian government.
0: Get the phone, go straight to DNA, pinprick and get your blood, and then the police officer will do a little swab and say, sorry, sorry, sir, you've been speeding too much, but I'm going to put that on your permanent record. Do you really <laughs> want to
1: be getting like pinpricked all the time? I mean, Grace hates needles. I can imagine she would not be keen on that. But, but in all seriousness, I remember I read something a little while ago about the Australian government at least investigating. I don't know whether they're going to do it, but they were
0: investigating. I think it was was Digital Passport, and I'm pretty sure they're doing it. Yeah. I would love that. Well, interestingly, so I got a copy of all of my personal documents in my Google Keep. Obviously my Google account is locked down with two factor authentication, but, uh, you know, if you want to, if you <laughs> want to go for all my stuff, it's all there. My birth certificate, absolutely everything. It's, it's all saved in Google Keep. I was pulled over by the police. This is used years ago. I, and I was using Evernote at the time, but I'm using Keep for the same purpose now. And I didn't have my wallet with me. I had left my wallet at the office. Police officer did a uh, random breath test and he said well you don't have your license so you're in trouble I'm going to slap you with a fine for driving without your license on you and because I had the image of my license in my phone I was able to show that and he said look you know this is acceptable I've been able to look you up and find your identity and you know I can see a picture I've verified that you are who you say you are but report to a police station in the next 24 hours and show them the actual ID just to uh, just to triple confirm and I was able to get out of the fine which was excellent so um I think it should be done I think it's crazy that it's not done I when I travel I You know, that's the reason I wanted to have all of those documents scanned and available on my device is because when I travel, if something happens, you've got to be able to rock up to a console and say, this is is who I am. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally agreed. Yeah. It's very interesting. Wow. We've, We've covered a lot in our conversation. We've gone from future of email and whether email is going to die. We got to like space exploration and corporations owning planets police
0: officers pin tricking you with needles
1: yeah identity in your uh in your phones and and DNA tests chips under the arm it's been fascinating it's been great thanks so much for coming on if anyone wants to kind of connect with you and find out more about you and guys if, if you enjoyed this style of episode and you'd like to see more episodes like this please let us know reach out to us the website love to hear your feedback but yeah uh, Peter how can people get more connected with you if they'd like to
0: well, we uh, help small to medium businesses with technology and productivity. And so, we're, we're based primarily in Australia, but we um, we work with customers all over the world. Um, to learn more about us and what we do, you can head to itgenius.com. Uh, yeah, we've got heaps of stuff there. But uh, primarily, we're helping small to medium-sized businesses with their business operations, uh, with communication tools, with collaboration tools, and uh, helping everyone to be productive. Uh, but, Carl, thanks so much for having me on the show absolutely have loved enjoyed the discussion and uh, look forward to the next one yeah look
1: forward to it thanks man thanks for listening to the future of humanity podcast to download the latest episode and find the transcript and various resources mentioned in today's episode visit our website at foh.show that's f-o-h as in future of humanity and show as in s-h-o-w Uh, You can also, via our website, contact me with any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. So please do reach out. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, you can find the links to subscribe on all your favorite platforms at foh.show slash subscribe. That's foh.show slash subscribe. And more importantly, if you'd like to continue the conversation from today's episode and connect with other listeners, then you can join our free community at foh.show slash community, foh.show slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.